Uh, hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Double Feature Podcast has Disco Fever, uh, part two in the apparently fortnightly series where we talk about Star Trek Discovery, uh, the new Star Trek series currently airing on Netflix, CBS All Access, and some other thing in Canada that I don't understand. Um, this is my co-host Terry. Say hello, Terry. Hello, Terry. How are you this week? I'm pretty well, but if you hear some um, weird noises from my end, it is, it's not my end, but it is the thunder and the rain. Um, so hopefully it comes out nice and clear and not pattery. Um, also invested in a new microphone because the last one sounded like absolute crap. Very nice. So ultra techie this, this week. That's, that's fantastic. Um, all right, well, let's talk about Star Trek. Uh, we have we have two episodes to talk about now. Um, the Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry and Choose Your Pain. Uh, do, 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 first of all, do you, have, do you have any outstanding questions? I mean, last time you were asking when everything was set. Is that, is, have you got any other questions like that this time? Uh, no, everything. I've pretty much caught up on everything, I think, and following the plot line nicely. That's good because it's convenient because uh, Choose Your Pain did very much explain things. There's been quite a lot of explaining things in the last episode. Um, yeah, which was okay, I guess, but my God. Um, so, yes, that's what's, what's happened since the last time we talked. Well, we found out that um, the water bear-looking thing, the tardigrade, that... Uh, uh, Gabriel Lorca, Captain Lorca, had locked away at the end of whatever the last episode we talked about was, I don't remember. Um, his, it was the key to the wacky space drive. Um, so I guess that was the, the key of, uh, which is nice kids, not for the lamb's cry. I guess it was a good, solid Star Trek episode, I thought, um, trying to solve a mystery, a space mystery, um, while... Um, with you know, a ticking clock because there's some sort of Klingon attack. Um, I thought that was quite solid. I thought that was a very solid episode in that regard. Um, and then uh, more stuff happened. It's interesting. It kind of did. It's, it's, I mean, it's interesting the way it's structured because it's sort of it set up its mystery and then solved it, and then posed a moral quandary. And then uh, Choose Your Pain kind of resolved that and has kicked us on to the next thing. It's been an interesting, it's been interesting the way this is going because all the story, the, there's clearly an overarching narrative of some kind um, going on in Star Trek Discovery. But each episode, the, the central question of each episode is very much self-contained. Um, so we have the mystery of how the spool drive works. That's kind of solved um, in... Um, the butcher's knife cares not for the lamb's cry. There's a moral quandary that comes out of that. That's kind of resolved, sort of, or at least comes to a head in Choose Your Pain. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Yes, and again, that sets up something for us to discuss in the next episode, uh, which I believe is called Leth. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting way to structure it because it's clearly you know, a serial television that we uh, that we so used to in this golden age, but also in a kind of like the the Arabian Nights tales in that each episode kind of 
ends but also sets up the next episode rather than just being a single chunk in a, a larger narrative. I like it. I think it's good. I think it's a good way to do Star Trek, do the newer kind of Star Trek, um, the newer kind of TV as Star Trek, uh, while still kind of keeping that structure that it always had and which allows them, I guess, to then go and discuss a whole variety of different things rather than just one thing. Um, so I think that's that's quite a good way to do it. Um, what else has happened? You've had, um, ah, yes. Uh, what, what have you thought of the, of the structuring in the episode so far? Structuring's, uh, the Klingon, the, keep, the interference of the Klingon Civil War kept throwing off to me the stuff that was happening on Discovery. Um, it it kind of didn't fit in the, uh, the knife sheep's cry one. Um, it, it seemed like we were getting into some stuff with Discovery and with their mushroom drive and the weird thing they put nipple clamps on to make them go through the um, through space. And then every now and then we're transported over to this Klingon civil war that does not seem like it's it's its own story. It's like a, it's a subplot of it and I, I, it kind of took away what was happening. Um, probably personally, I would have liked to see maybe even, I, I would even uh, like to see a whole episode of the Klingon Civil War and do it that way instead of breaking it up, even though watching an entire episode in Klingon could get a bit tedious. Oh, yes, it could. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It seems like it's, it's I mean, it's clearly the, the is what's driving everything on Discovery, but it's not that relevant to what is happening, um, what we're mostly watching with Stamets and uh, Burnham and Tilly and Saru. It's kind of ancillary into what's going on, or it's just kind of, it's just a thing that exists to create tension in these stories. I mean, in The Butcher's Knife Cares Not For The Lamb's Cry, the investigation is, is the, the, the trying to solve the mystery of the sport, how the sport I've worked on the USS Glenn was is fine in and of itself. And the, the war only really only serves to just put some time pressure on that to create a kind of ticking clock. That's fine. But uh, yeah, it seems like it's, kind of, it's just kind of this thing that exists and is out there to try to create some urgency. It's not the point of the story itself. Yeah, it's kind of the, the Klingon's B plot in The Butcher's Knife Gets Up the Lamb's Cry. It's a very odd thing, isn't it? It doesn't quite work that well. I don't know why we care about these characters who apparently just sat around in an asteroid field for six months. That seemed quite weird. They were just hanging around. No, very strange. Yeah. Uh... In reference to that episode, I don't know if I... You got, you got the, the moral dilemma which you said about using the tardigrade uh, pretty much weaponizing it. Um, but you can tell, like, before you got into Season 5, uh, Episode 5, and they actually clarified some of this stuff and they actually had a, a moment of, hey, it could be a sentient being. They were pretty much enslaved and tortured a poor defenseless animal 
and I was not on board for that. That is not the discovery I wanted. Um, and yeah, it looked really weird. They looked like they put nipple clamps on him to get him to send him through space. Um, it was very strange. And then that man got his nipple clamps on, so he sent them through space to rescue Lorca, who was on the Klingon vessel um, in the next episode, in episode five. Behaving in a very stoutly manner, I didn't think. Yeah, it's again. I mean, we get this sort of B plot um, in Choose Your Pain that's uh, separate to the. I mean, I guess in with the Klingon B plot, we got some politics. Here we get some prison action um, with special guest star Rain Wilson, which we'll come to in a minute. And yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I found look, it's kind of going around in this space prison, but. He's not behaving in a very Starfleet way. He's, he leaves a man behind. He leaves someone in prison, in a horrible space prison, which is not what these characters typically do, which is fine. Maybe that's the point of it, is that you know, the, the principles that we've seen are established later, and we're established by these events, because we this is a prequel series, of course. But I don't know. It's not very good. <laughs> Well, none of it feels like Star Trek. And has he really ever behaved in a Federation way? No, but this is kind of, I guess, the most acute moment of that. Yeah, it's... Which, yeah, it's... I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see what... He's clearly set up as a villain of sorts. Um, they're not being particularly complex or subtle about that. Um, but I mean, he has to, I mean, he has to have, or at least pretend to have some kind of principle here. Um, otherwise we will, like, will not understand why he has his job and I sort of don't at the moment. Um, because he left his entire crew, to, he killed his entire crew. That was interesting. Uh, he's... But for the good of the Federation. No, he could. No, he, he killed for him. the good of humanity. Well, so they wouldn't get tortured. But still, I mean, that's pretty brutal. I understand him, and I like him, and I hope he's not a villain. I hope he is just a a um, anti-hero, as it would be. Well, um, he does have like a chamber of horrors with a gaunt skeleton in it. I mean. Yeah, how cool is that skeleton? I was going to bring that up. That was a question I was going to ask. What the hell is that thing? Because that thing's called. I think it's a Gorn. I'm pretty sure it's a, he has a Gorn skeleton. So he has just this, uh, the skeleton of a, of a sentient being hanging out in the space lab for some reason. It's quite weird. Decorative. There's something I would have in my house. Okay, you'd have a Gorn skeleton. You can... Sure, looks like a giant Mexican walking fish to me, but... It may well the Gorn owner and how the Gorn owner. But yeah, he does leave Mr. Mud in the um in the cell. He's like, yeah, you know, you can keep being tortured, mate. Take that. I quite liked. I did like uh, Rain Wilson. Well, Harry Mud generally was something I was quite skeptical of um, in this series because. It always feels like the galaxy's really, really small when you keep running into the same characters, and this character has appeared twice in the original series and I think once in the animated series. So he's a well-known character. 
Um, I also didn't think um, Rain Wilson would be that good at taping Roger Carmel's acting. I thought he was fantastic. I thought it was a really good performance and I didn't mind at all that it was this, we were sort of seeing this character again. I thought he was really great. Um, I, I'm guessing he'll turn up again. I think Rain Wilson is credited for a number of episodes. So we'll, and oh, there's footage from one of the Comic-Con trailers uh, that uh, is a bit, that we haven't seen, we didn't see in this episode, so I'm guessing he'll turn up again. Um, yeah, but yeah, I found, generally speaking, the the prison sequence was sort of devoid of any kind of Star Trekiness. It was just a fairly sort of straightforward guy stuck in space prison that have to escape, um, which is fine in of itself. And I do kind of wonder how much they're playing up how much the things that look odd to us now will, you know, uh, working towards a really satisfying end, but I'm not sure if they will. I'm not sure if that's how it's going to happen or not. Do you um, think they're trying to do it on purpose to distance themselves from the perceived notion of Star Trek and making it their own thing? Um, probably not. I don't, I mean, what's the point then? I mean, then it's just another space opera. That's kind of, and that's very much the criticism that's been leveled at the, the Abrams-verse movies, um, that they're kind of just turning into a generic space opera. I, I can't imagine they would. I can't imagine they would try and make it, like, just make a space opera and slap the Star Trek uh, um, name on it, if only because there's, there's so many other sections that do feel like Star Trek. Those first two episodes felt like Star Trek. All the mystery solving and science and moral quandaries, very Star Trek. It's just this one sequence that kind of doesn't. But the tone is a lot darker than Star Trek. There's so much more emphasis on the war and less emphasis on actually discovery. Um, and discover in the uh, the universe, and that that's I, don't, I think this is why I'm liking it more is because it's less like some of the other Star Treks that I've tried to watch and couldn't get into. It's not completely new ground. I mean, most of Deep Space Nine was about a war, um, and I guess conflict in general uh, has been, especially cinematically, has been what the series has been about. Um, it's always had action sequences. Um, yeah, it's and there's yeah there are several key areas where it doesn't really feel like Star Trek. No one's really friends at the moment. We kind of have a little bit of camaraderie between Tilly and Burnham, but it it doesn't. It feels quite forced. It feels like Tilly at the, at the moment is very much just a sounding board for Burnham's emotional state um did you um get very excited when she was like that's fucking cool my god someone said the f word on star trek it felt quite egregious that's 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 not darker of course but maybe it's a more adult thing than star trek is usually done and it felt quite egregious that they were saying the f word on star trek um, i was shocked and i've haven't seen nowhere near the amount of star trek you have and i was shocked by it um, and then they said it again. He, it is fucking cool. They did. And it's like, I guess it always does when something like that happens. It always feels like quite, let's do this. Let's be adult and do a thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, 
Uh, did you get any gay vibes in this? Because I didn't, but I did catch some glimpses of some reviews that did. When you say gay vibes, do you mean the two guys sharing a bathroom and brushing their teeth together? Oh, that's right. I forgot about the end. I, I was yeah. just thinking earlier in it. In it, um, I, I remember reading it after episode four. I'm like, I didn't pick up on that. And now you've just re you've said the uh, the end of episode five. Uh, yes, okay. Don't worry. Yes, yes, I do think they are gay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Terry's Terry's confusion um, notwithstanding. Yeah, this is the. F I mean, it's the first time in televisual Star Trek that we've had a gay character, which is ridiculous given that the show has existed for fifty years. Um, previously, we've had some uh, some bad analogy on TNG and something with Dax in DS9 that I haven't actually seen and some vague shots of Sulu's family and Star Trek Beyond. But yeah, this is the first time we've seen a proper, like an actual gay and interracial relationship. It's not the first time we've seen an interracial relationship on Star Trek, but it's the first time, but it's, it's another one. Um, so, that's the, so yeah, it's finally, this series is coming back to the diversity that it's supposed to be or aimed for back in the 60s and sort of didn't, hasn't really maintained for the last couple of decades, mostly through the 90s. Star Trek through the 90s was fairly conventional, really. Um, so that's good. That's good that that's coming out. Um, interesting as well, uh, I guess, uh, this, uh, Choose Your Pain plays it as a joke, but does have treat uh, a male victim of sexual assault quite seriously um, in that we see, I mean, not in a particularly profound or deep manner, but we do see uh, Ash Tyler, Ash Zedler Chief as Ash Tyler, sort of quite affected by his treatment at the hand of, hands of Laurel um, in, in, in space prison before he escapes with Lorca in some sort of wacky butterfly spaceship. Um, so that's, that's, that's not a common thing to see on TV. So that's, that's good as well to, to show that and take it seriously. Um, or at least to take it seriously. And uh, in regards to that, yes. could procreation actually work between Klingon and human? Could she get yes. knocked up from this fella? Yes. Um, Belana Torres in... Uh, Voyager is half human, half Klingon, and Spock is half human, half Klingon, uh, half Vulcan, half human, half Vulcan, and Worf's son, I think, is three quarters Klingon, one quarter human. Mm. Yes, yes, the answer is yes. Ah, I don't know. I just thought, hey, what's going on here? And uh, I, I knew like there was like the half Vulcan with Spock, um, but I couldn't think of any half Klingons. So, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. It'd be interesting to see what happens with Ash Tyler. He's sort of played up as someone who is going to idolise uh, Lorca. Um, we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see where this can go. It feels fairly predictable and you know, Lorca will be revealed to be some overly vicious villain and Burnham will have to mutiny, mutiny again, maybe, or potentially someone else will mutiny. Yeah, I've thought that as well. 
So, but I want it to be cleverer than that. And it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's trucking along quite quickly. I mean, a lot, I, thought, I thought a lot of, I thought there'd be a slow burn of that, uh, but we got most of the plot points I thought would be related to it in episode three. Um, so, do, you th do you think uh, Suru's going to be the one to mutiny this time? He's going to take his lesson from uh, Burnham? Well, I mean, he'll, I think he has to choose his own path. Um, yeah, I, but for it to work. But yeah, I mean, that's very much a possibility as well. I think that's a very, very strong possibility that it'll be Saru, um, still one of my favorite characters, um, that will end up mutinying, 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 mutinying. Uh, again, I want, it to be, I want it to be cleverer than that. I thought it was funny when he was um, telling Burnham that these are his orders, this is the plan, this is what we're going with, make sure that thing's working, um, et cetera, et cetera. I don't care if it's a sentient being, we've got to use it to get the captain back. Um, he, that whole speech she gave him in the ready room, uh, I could, you could tell he was just sweating out of his ass, just like, I've got to get through this, I've got to, I've got to friggin' tell my ex ex superior what i'm doing and she has to follow these orders and you can tell as soon as he as soon as she left the relief and the oh fucking god <laughs> uh, i found that funny yeah you don't I, uh, it's sort of it's good but i feel like it's i feel like there should be a sense of anxiety in what saru's doing that doesn't really exist until the end you don't really get that sense i think i think he probably just straight up explains it um why he's so uh, anxious about this particular situation he's in and how it resonates with uh, uh, what happened on the Shenzhou. And it kind of, it comes through at the end, but for most of the episode, he's, he seems to be kind of just a jerk. Um, and it's rationalized towards the end, but again, it's sort of something that's explained after the fact when it probably didn't need to be. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's been a there's been a few moments like that. Um, I think where I mean it's interesting to note that yeah, the show has had a fairly troubled production. Um, it's it started out as a completely different concept under Brian Fuller, I believe, um, to be an anthology throughout, um, sort of set throughout the history of Star Trek rather than a straight prequel. Um, and I think we're starting to see some of that and some of the odder moments that. Don't quite make sense. It's as, which are presumably a result of the show being pulled together and massively rewritten and edited at the last minute. Um, not sure. It'll be interesting to see how it all comes together. I still, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I still don't quite know where this show is going. Um, I want to find out, but it's maybe it's just because it had those two first episodes that it was completely different in tone and concepts than what we're actually watching. Um, or maybe the show genuinely doesn't quite make sense yet. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping it sort of, it comes together because I'm, I mean, for instance, I didn't, I didn't like Stamets that much to begin with, but now I'm very much coming around to him um, as a character. So hopefully that's going to all work out. He'll turn out to be a much more complex and likable character than 
he first appeared in B. Um, I'm hoping for a, a Tilly-heavy episode where we find out what's, what's the deal with Tilly. Because um, yeah, at the moment, I think she's like the astounding board for Burnham, um, and I want to see her do more than that. But again, I mean, I'm kind of hoping for things that I don't know if they'll happen. Yeah. Um, I think for the most part, I don't know if I can get on board with Tilly yet. She's, um, she seems like she probably is. I don't know. How old do you think she's meant to be? I was like, she, she feels like the, that awkward age where you're 15, 16, you're not quite a kid, but you're not quite an adult in this very adult situation. Um, that, that's, that's where I'm coming from with her. And I don't know if I like that element in here. Yeah, she's a kid dead, which... I don't know what age she's supposed to be specifically, but I guess cadet means sort of has the mentality of someone in their late teens um, or a student, someone who hasn't been out in the world that much. Um, she does come across as competent, which is sort of critical for me getting on board with a character like this. She's kind of held her own when they were running around the Glen in Context is for Kings. I know what the third episode is called now. Um, she does seem reasonably good at sciencing, so that's and that's pretty critical to explaining why this character is here. She's apparently very good at the job she needs to do, so I'm sort of sold in that regard. But I'm yeah, just waiting for the the the, the Tilly episode to really get on board with this character. Also, the um, the uh, I don't know what she is. She's a navigator or a pilot or something. Uh, she was on the Shenzhou with the others, but she had a full head of hair then, and now she's got it half shaved. The redhead. The redhead uh, chick. Yes. Uh, what is her name? Detma? Detma. Yes. I'd like to see more of her, I think. I think she could be pretty interesting, especially because she has, uh, you, you, she's really um, not on Burnham's side. Like, Suru will talk to her and is making conversation and telling her how to do things and um but this one who she's previously had a working relationship with and she's not even given her the time of day because of the mutiny so she has her she has fairly good reasons mutiny she started a war she's got good reasons there but i'd like to see a little bit more stuff happening there i think and yeah as you said no one's really coming together um, as a team, everyone's pretty much solo on most things, I think. Um, you see a little the teamwork becoming um, with Burnham and the, what was his name? Star, Starmitz? Um, yeah, Stamets. They kind of started to work in it, and but just for the whole feel, yeah, doesn't they don't seem to be gelling yet, and... I don't know, that probably is because Lorca is a very unique captain. Um, he's very goal-orientated and he doesn't care about the means to get there. So I don't think he's like getting the team environment that Picard would have um, kind of instilled in his people. Oh yeah, he doesn't care. But even but, but, like people with the characters within Star Trek have always kind of been friends as well as space 
colleagues. So I'm, and that element is kind of lacking. Even if you have a jerky captain, you'd still kind of typically, I guess, for a Star Trek series, would still have a series of friends at its core. And this doesn't yet for you know, plot established reasons, but uh, yeah, it's sort of it's part of a tone that's missing, I think. But again, I'm sort of maybe a slow burner. It may come around that all these people get on side with each other, and it'll be all the more satisfying for having seen that happen. Um, I don't, I, but yeah, I'm kind of hoping that will happen. I don't know. I'm watching it, hoping certain things pay off, and not necessarily enjoying them for what they are. Did you um, like when when um, Burnham? got uh george's um will um the present she willed to her and in the message is like yeah you're probably a captain now somewhere good on you <laughs> and inside yeah. burnham's like going oh shit <laughs> it was it's it's, it's quite it's, it's a good scene it's a really really good scene like the one niggle i had was that i don't understand how they got the telescope because we saw the telescope on the shenshu and then it was evacuated and left in a i guess they must have taken it with them when they evacuated the shenshu yeah either that or um mr klingon who's stuck on there fed it extra to him um, <laughs> Back, we ate your captain, but anyway, here's a telescope. Bye. I'm sure What's that's his name? Is that that's Cole? Vok. Vok, Vok. Yeah. Yeah, Vok the, the albino. <laughs> the albino thing on him. Vok. Mm. Yes. Um, what else? It's interesting to know that um, in. In Choose Your Pain, there's sort of this question of whether Burnham really did start the war. And it's interesting to see that the um, Admiral Lady, whose name I've forgotten, does kind of acknowledge that. She says, rightly or wrongly, Burnham is blamed for this war, as if um, maybe it's not so obvious. Um, maybe it's not so clear cut that that is the case, which I think is interesting. It'll be interesting to see. They go back and address that issue at some point. It's another thing that will be interesting to see if it pays off at all. Yeah, there was something interesting there, but now I have forgotten. Um, there was something when I when I watched that that um, the scene when he's arguing with the admiral. Um, it seemed some forced dialogue or dialogue that didn't make sense, where he's like, "Do you trust me?" And it's like, "I'm your friend." Mm, but, that's not what he asked. Um, it, it, it seemed like some shonky riding in that scene to me, that's all. Um, I can't exactly remember what, but I remember it was... My ears did perk up. It is an episode filled with like really egregious exposition. I feel like there's scenes where people just explain their feelings. There's a lot of scenes where people just explain their feelings. We get that whole montage of explaining the spore drive where Tilly and Burnham and... Stamets take turns to explain stuff they already know to each other for some reason. And it's, it's yeah, there's some awkward dialogue in that episode. I don't know what any of it means. I'm just happy that the Tardigrade is free. And he, <laughs> and he can ride his magic mushrooms through the universe. Good for him. He's, and he goes off on his next adventure. Bye-bye, Tardigrade. Like, 
We really always say renamed it. I never liked the name Ripper. Thought it was a terrible name. Well, Snape's good. He ripped that commander the shreds. Take that, woman. Yeah, that was stupid. Anyway. All right. Uh, have we got any anything more to say on the old Star Trek? Um, at this point. Not much, except now that we're wrapping up, the uh, storm has passed. So oh, convenient. Mm. Okay, you can go and have a good night's sleep. I like sleeping and listening to the rain. It was lightning, too. Oh, oh well. Um, we can get ready for new Star Trek tomorrow, then. I can. I can. Right. I, do, I am liking the series. I'm getting right into it. Yeah, it's, it's, interest, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to see where it's going. I'll give it that, if nothing else. Ah, so I think we're done then. Yes, all right. Um, so if you want to read our main blog, it's at sfdfmoviereviews.tumblr.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash sfdfmoviereviews. You can find us on Twitter at sfdfmoviereview, singular. Um, you, you can, if you just want to listen to the podcast, you can find us at soundcloud.com slash sfdf or wherever good SoundClouds are found. You can also find us on iTunes, just search sfdf. Uh, you can find us on YouTube somewhere. I guess search sfdf there as well. Um, if you want to email us, you can get it to us at inspacenoonicecream at gmail.com. Um, if you want to find links to all these things, including the ones that I don't know the URLs of, as well as a whole bunch of other good stuff, you can find them down the right side of the main blog, which again is sfdfmoviereviews.tumblr.com. Uh, okay, that's about it from us. So say goodbye, Terry. Goodbye, Terry. I okay, will see you next fortnight, maybe. Bye.